the way that we got the business started is we went to sort of the practitioner community, the folks that would become mentors at Tradecraft. And we said, hey, wouldn't it be great if the folks, you know, when you hired people, it wasn't just that they were smart and motivated, but they actually had a skill set and could contribute on day one. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today we have Misha Chalam, who is the founder of Tradecraft, which is a full-time, in-person, immersive training program for people who want to break into the startup community. Misha, how's it going? It is going awesome. It will go even better if the Golden State Warriors manage to win Game 5 tonight. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> I think the last time that actually happened was, uh, I think it's when the Rockets came back, right, against the Clippers. Was that last yeah. year? Yeah, yeah, it's been. Anyways, we, I, I have high hopes, and so I'm, I'm, I'm having, I'm putting a lot of positive energy into my day to, to, to sort of help bring that to fruition. So very, <laughs> very excited to talk about growth. Cool, here man. To do my part, you know. All yeah. right. So, Misha, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your background? Sure. I'm the founder of Tradecraft. Done a fair amount of different things in my career. Um, so I started off as a musician, traveled the country and, and played in a band. And after that, I, I worked in politics for a little over a year and then and then moved abroad and lived abroad for five years and did a bunch of different business stuff and eventually started a commercial real estate company and then got involved in tech, started a tech incubator and then started a tech company called Scanadu. Ran that for a couple of years, became an EIR at a VC firm called Blumberg Capital, uh, and then started Tradecraft. And so it's funny, I'd never actually thought of this until a couple of days ago, which seems weird, but I think Tradecraft is the culmination of, of so many career changes, you know, which is to say that I understand that smart, motivated people go down a path sometimes, and, and that path leads to a, a dead end or a cul-de-sac or somewhere where they don't want to be. And so you know, we kind of help people make those transitions. I, I think it's because I've gone through so many of those transitions myself. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, growing up, uh, well, I guess, you know, having Asian parents, they expect you to stay at the same job for, you know, three, four years. They expect you to get all the benefits and all that. And I think that's slowly going away. I think, you know, uh, for me personally, starting out, I I jumped around a ton. I think I switched like five jobs in the first year of, of actually working. So I, I guess what, from your perspective, what are the benefits of kind of hopping around and why did you hop around? So I hopped around, I think, because of external forces, like, you know, very, very concretely. It's like I fell in love with a girl. She got a job with the Foreign Service. And so we moved to DC and then to Vietnam and then to Belgium based on her career. And so I kind of had to reinvent myself at each of those ports. And I kind of combined what I had, like my assets, with what the market realities were. So when we moved to, you know, to DC, I wasn't really going to keep being, I'd been a musician in LA and it, it didn't really make sense to, to keep doing that given the circumstances. And so I got into politics and then the same thing in, in Vietnam, it didn't make 
make sense to be in politics or, or in music. And so I got into, you know, general business because that's what was going on there at the time. So I kind of had to adapt to the market realities um, that I was faced with. Luckily today, tech is kind of omnipresent. Um, and so I think today that you could build a tech career kind of, you know, anywhere. Um, of course, I'm biased and think Silicon Valley is maybe the best place to, to build it. But yeah, I think the, the benefit was being building that sort of soft skill set of adaptability. And I think that that has, has turned out to be very valuable for me, at least down the road. Great. Yeah. I, I think that's the key word adaptability. And, you know, for me, switching around is just whatever opportunities I saw, whatever growth opportunities I saw, I just take it. So I think those kind of go hand in hand. So Tradecraft, what do you guys teach today? And what are some success stories you can talk about? Yeah. So the sort of idea of Tradecraft is to partner with smart, motivated people throughout their entire tech careers. And so the piece that's sort of the most visible, the most concrete, which is this training program, we train people for roles in sales, marketing, growth marketing, and and design. And the idea is that we want to sort of, you know, get in at the earliest stage of your career and sort of build a trusted relationship with you. But the hope is that we'll actually get to work together for five or 10 or 15 years down the line. And so I think that when I think of success stories, some of them are people going into, you know, we've got grads at Uber and, and, and Mattermark and, and Discord and Udemy and a bunch of other kind of top Silicon Valley companies. Um, and those are, those are, you know, victory stories or those are, you know, wins. But then we've also got folks who, you know, they went, worked at a company for a while, realized that they were ready to start a company. We've had a couple of Tradecraft grads start YC-backed companies and 500-backed companies. And so those are also wins because it sort of is like a preview of what we think our network will be doing in five years um, when people have sort of matured in their careers and, and gotten further along and potentially started companies. Awesome. And so there's a lot of different schools out there. I mean, you know, there's a, I think, you know, General Assembly would be one that comes to mind. So how does Tradecraft kind of differ from a General Assembly? Yeah. So, so like I said, we don't, we kind of don't think about ourselves as like for us, the product that we're selling is not, you know, the education. I mean, education is a piece of what we're doing, but let's say that or one metric that matters is not, you know, growing top line students so that we're serving more and more students. It's increasing the quality of our network. And for us, we run the school basically to break even. Like our goal is to make money on education, but in a very long term sense, right? So we read this stat when we were just starting out at Tradecraft that if you look at the, the revenue of companies started by Stanford grads in 2012, the revenue of companies started by Stanford grads was $2.7 trillion. And so if you begin to think like, oh man, if Stanford had had a slightly different model instead of charging, you know, upfront and if they had figured out a way to sort of partner with those people throughout their careers, like they would have made a lot more money. I know that Stanford's not for profit, but there was a lot more economic value being generated by both what people had learned at Stanford and the connections and network that had been built at Stanford. And so we've sort of were the way that we think about our businesses. Let's meet really great people. Let's help them in a very concrete way, right? Let's train them in sales or marketing or, or design, help them get a role, you know, at a tech company that they're going to, you know, where they can optimize for learning, but then keep that relationship. And, you know, in three years or five years, when they're ready to start a company or when they're looking to go take a senior leadership role at a company, like it will likely be at least they will consider something in our sort of network of companies where we've made investments or where we're advisors or whatever. So 
I think that in that way, on the surface, it looks similar to GA, you know, but but the sort of underlying business model is totally different. Like we have no interest in going to, you know, 30 locations around the world and and pumping out students. You know, I think that they play a, a role uh, or they play a, a they play a role in the ecosystem. We just play a totally different role. Got it. Okay. So, I mean, let's say I come through Tradecrafted as a student. Is you know, am I required to sign anything, or is it just kind of a, a leap you of know, faith? It's all, it's all relational. So, yeah, you're not you're not like an indentured servant. You're not promising us a piece of some future action or whatever. But you know, it, it is true that sort of you know our our organizational goal is to is to be like the perfect mentor to somebody. And so, you know, we, we are constantly, when, when we're improving things at Tradecraft internally, it's not just answering questions of, you know, what would somebody need to know in a, in a relatively junior growth marketing role, but it's like, what are all the ways that we're going to be able to help this, this person over time? And so hopefully, you know, you'll continue to come back to us for more sort of mentorship and advice along the way in your career, because we've sort of become that, that go-to person for you. Right. Okay. In terms of teaching a subject like growth, I mean, this is changing all the time. So how do you stay on top of it? Yeah, so, I mean, the the number one thing is just really, really great relationships with people in industry. I mean, it's even funny to say in industry. I just, that's like a thing that I've heard other people say, and it, it sounds sophisticated. Now we have growth grads at, you know, 100 top companies all over the valley. Before that, and sort of, you know, alongside of that, we have a bunch of people who are, you know, hiring managers that are part of Tradecraft, like, they come in and speak regularly. They help us think through curriculum. They help us, you know, keep things relevant. And then students are doing project work with companies. And so through that project work, we're exposed to, oh, shoot, like, I didn't realize that so many people were looking at Pinterest as a new channel. We probably need to, to, to begin to think about helping people with that. Um, so that's one piece of it. The other thing I would say is, you know, the, the tactics are always changing, but the sort of core underlying approach and process and mindset is, is pretty similar. True. And so luckily the internet is filled with great, you know, with great material. Like it, you can learn anything on your own. The reason why you come to Tradecraft isn't because we have some secret store of knowledge that nobody else has. It's because we can sort of help you orient your general thinking and then help curate the sort of stuff that is out there. And so I don't think it's like on us, you know, in a vacuum to, to find all that material. It's, it's just about helping students navigate it. Got it. Okay. And we, we talked about this a little bit before uh, going live. So how many students have actually gone through and how much does it cost to go through, a, you know, one of your typical programs? Sure. Yeah. So we've had 320 grads go through or folks go through the program. It costs 14K, so $14,000 for, for 12 weeks, um, which is a good deal of money. It turns out that that's actually only a fraction of the money that, that it takes to come here because you have to quit your full-time job and you have to live in San Francisco, which is a, a painfully expensive place. We, you know, we help people through that with financing and, and all kinds of arrangements to, to sort of help people be able to do it. But for us, it's sort of like we hope to create not only that people get a boost in salary in their next job or whatever, but you know, we still, I think if you talk to a Tradecraft grad who had graduated two years ago, is still deriving value from the Tradecraft network. And, you know, we now have grads who are coming back and, and actually having current students do project work on their new companies. We've had company, you know, like I said, Tradecraft grads who have started companies where we've, you know, we've helped them sort of build their business again through sort of having students help them, you know, explore channels and growth or, or, or think about new customer segments and through product design. So 
yeah, that, that's how it works. Got it. Yeah, I think you know one of one of the things is when I look at tradecraft, you know, people might think fourteen thousand dollars is super expensive, but you think of the the value that you get in return. You talk about people going to Uber or Udemy, just great companies, and I, I think to me it's it's a no brainer. And I, I think it's something you know for, for people that, especially people listening to this, are that are not not happy with their jobs right now. I think it's something to look into certainly. And there's a lot of these, you know, there's a lot of different options out there. You know, tradecraft is, is one of them. And I think it's it's certainly great. So just some food for thought. Misha, in terms of acquiring, let's just say your first hundred customers, how did you go about doing that? Yeah, so so you know, of course, our first hundred customers is is a well, one we don't think of them as customers, but yes, technically they are customers. We think of them as kind of like members of a community. But you know, the first hundred customers are you know a third of our total customers. So the way that we got the business started is we went to sort of the practitioner community, the folks that would become mentors at Tradecraft. And we said, hey, wouldn't it be great if the folks, you know, when you hired people, it wasn't just that they were smart and motivated, but they actually had a skill set and could contribute on day one. And everyone sort of said, yeah, I mean, that would be amazing to have a higher bar set because we set an extremely high bar for technical talent. You know, like we don't, you would never hire an engineer and say like, well, they're smart and hardworking and, and hopefully they'll be able to figure out how to code. And yet we do that with marketers all the time. And so, so this idea of raising the bar and setting higher expectations was very appealing to people in the Valley. And so through that, you know, the initial class and the initial classes have really come from word of mouth and, and referrals. You know, hopefully you're talking to someone that you trust, you know, somebody that, that you want to be in their shoes in a year or two. And that person says, Hey, you know, if you're trying to learn growth marketing, here are a bunch of resources that you can read about online. But if you kind of want to really get serious and, and ramp and speed up your progress, why don't you look at tradecraft? So that's how we filled the initial classes. And to this day, you know, 60% of the students that end up at Tradecraft are through a referral from another Tradecraft alum or a mentor. So it's still by far the, the dominant channel for us. Awesome. All right. And switching gears a little bit, what's one big struggle you face while growing Tradecraft? So I think something that, that we continue to struggle with is to, to figure out how to sort of vet for quality candidates. And, and I think this is trouble, you know, this is hard for hiring managers too. Like ultimately you, you kind of have, you know, we do a couple hours of interviews and, and some practice, you know, work, project work, but in the end that still doesn't reveal kind of your character and, and grit and, and stick to and, and how late you're going to work at night and how much you're going to hustle and all of those things. And so I think as, as our application volume increases, you know, we sort of some, sometimes fall back on the, did they go to an Ivy League school? Did they work at, you know, some, some name brand company? Um, and I don't actually think that that's been the biggest proxy for, for people who have succeeded in the program. So I think calibrating that, you know, because we're sort of making this lifetime commitment to somebody. And so doing that on, you know, a few hours of diligence is scary. Um, and so, you know, it's turned out right, you know, a vast majority of the time, but that's something that we're still struggling with to, to get even better at. I see. And just to go back, I mean, when you, when you have new students coming in, they're coming in as, as part of a cohort, right? Mm-hmm. And is that, how many people is that? So it's about a dozen people, some, somewhere between 12 and 15 people per, per month. And uh, that's split between sales, marketing, and, and design. Right. And the, the purpose of, you know, what's the overall, object, uh, overall objective of having these, you know, smaller classes? It's a hundred percent this like this idea of having a human you know relationship with with each of the students. Like sometimes I'll meet somebody and they'll say like, oh yeah, one of my friends went through the program, and it's like, 
will tell me what trend because I definitely know them well. You know, like we know all of the folks who who have been through Tradecraft, and and so it's kind of roughly the Dunbar number. Like the Dunbar number is you know that you can sort of have 150 relationships in your life. We sort of go, we, we sort of have relationships with 150 people per year and we kind of just, you know, made, did some math and, and figured that, that we'd be able to sustain that with some, you know, we use some tech to make sure that we're still keeping in contact with everyone that's been out for a couple of years. I think one day that could scale, but it's hard to imagine it scaling, you know, 10x um, just because of the human relationship factor. Okay. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? Mm. I really like this question, mainly because I really like my answer to it. So, so this is like, if you could take away one thing from listening to this podcast, smart young listeners of Growth Everywhere, maybe not young. I think when I was 20 or 25, so, so this goes back to a concept, you know, about growth and versus fixed mindset. So I had a very fixed mindset growing up. Um, I was told, you know, and I'm sure that they meant it with all the love and, you know, and, and good intentions, but I was told by my parents all the time, like, Hey, you're really smart. You know, you're really special. And I think I, I built up a sort of a feeling that if I didn't succeed at something that, that I was a failure as opposed to just that I was, it was a learning process and and I needed to keep learning. And so when I was 20 or 25, the things that I worked on, I didn't put 100% of my effort and energy into. I always left myself a little out. Um, so basically, I, I sort of said, well, you know, I did, I went pretty far on sort of natural ability, and, but I, I didn't overextend myself. And, and basically, I, I left myself excuses. And it sounds like crazy to me now because my mindset has totally changed. But I meet a lot of people who do this. And actually, I meet, you know, I have this discussion sometimes with really talented tradecrafters where, or tradecraft grads, where, you know, they hold something back so that if they fail, they don't feel like they really failed because, well, they didn't do this one thing. And it's like, that's not a good way to go about living life. Like, you should put everything on the line. That's why, you know, you know, for me, when people are talking about, sometimes I talk to candidates and they're talking about whether they should come to tradecraft or not. And it's like, well, but maybe, I, you know, I think I could probably do it on my own. Like, of course you could do it on your own. I mean, everyone, everyone who comes through here could do it on their own. The idea is that life is hard, you know, success, you know, if you set a high bar for yourself for success, like reaching that success is hard, you should take every available help, opportunity, you know, advantage that you can take to get to where you want to go. And I don't think I thought about the world like that when I was 25. And, and I definitely think about it like that now. Totally agree with that. I mean, are there any articles or books around having that kind of growth or abundant mindset? You know, there's the classic Carol Dweck uh, growth mindset book, uh, which I think is helpful. I don't know that I've read other books that are that sort of touch on that point. I mean, it is basically the point from from mindset, you know, from from Carol Dweck's work, but. Yeah, it, it's one of these things that I, I think once you get it, you get it, and and it's you know, and it feels kind of like funny to even talk about it. But but it's man, that it is just not how I thought when I was when I was twenty years old, and and now I look back, you know, I had this band and and we toured the country and we did pretty well, but you know, we didn't really ever put in the work that we could have put in to see how far we could have taken it. And now it's just kind of like a small regret of I wonder how big we could have gotten. And there's a couple of projects in my early life that I did that with. And so now, you know, whether it's Tradecraft or, or, or something else, it's like I never let myself have that. I'll never put myself in a position to have that doubt. Like I'll do everything that, that I could have done to make it succeed. Right. Love it. Okay. And just building off kind of the, the, the last question I had, well, I guess what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? 
Yeah, so so I'm excited about this one too. Um, it's an interest, really cool book. Uh, it's a little bit of a slog, um, so it's definitely not for everyone. Uh, the book is called Reinventing Organizations, uh, and it's by a French or a Belgian, sorry, a guy named Frederick Lalou. And it's a little bit academic, but it basically talks about different organizational structures. And particularly, it's sort of about holacracy, but holacracy is just a subset of this more general way of approaching building a business. And I think it's really interesting and it feels like a competitive advantage. I haven't, we haven't yet figured out a way to implement it at Tradecraft, um, though we do talk about it. And I think that for, you know, if I was an entrepreneur starting out today, I think I would read that book and then think, how can I use this organizational structure as a competitive advantage for my business? Funny story. I mean, when you recommended that book to me, I was like, okay, I'm going to get it. And then I ended up buying the wrong book. I ended up buying this book called Exponential Organizations, which is also a great read by, uh, mm. with, which is by Singularity University. So yeah. I think if you combine that one with the book that you just talked about, which I also bought, I think you're, you're going to be in a good spot, especially when you're considering starting a business. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that I recommend it. Yeah. It's, it's been a consistent recommend for me for, for a while now because I, I really think it's like, it's one of those books that's filled with ideas where you're like, whoa, I really, I had never considered that before. And, and you don't really see that that much. Love it. Great. We'll, we'll drop both of these into the, into the show notes. But Misha, I mean, this has been fantastic. What's the, what's the best way for people to find you online? So you can find me on Twitter. I'm, I'm always, you know, I'm always vainly stockpiling my Twitter followers. Uh, so at Misha Chellum, uh, it is 90% business and 10% warriors. You could also find me at, if you have more questions about Tradecraft, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Misha, M-I-S-H-A, at Tradecrafted, which is why it's confusing.com. And then our website is Tradecraft.com. All right, everyone, make sure you check out Tradecraft.com, especially if you feel like you're stuck in a rut right now. You know, the, to me, 14K is, is penny, pennies compared to the value that you'll get in return. Thanks again for doing this, Misha. Yeah, thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.